Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Yesterday, God put a word on my heart. It's not the sermon I'm going to preach, but I think this is for many of you. And it's Galatians 6, 9. It says, don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. At the proper time you will reap a harvest if. Say if. If If you don't give up. And I believe that there are people in here that you have been sowing and headed in the right direction and you are tempted to bail on the process that God has you in. But there is a harvest that is being created for you if. Say if. If you don't give up. You can't give up. Here's what God was showing me is that it's summertime. Now, I realize we're in the middle of winter. But in Texas, winter is like summer anyways, right? No, it's summertime. And here's what happens during summertime. You've already planted your seed. And now you are weeding and you are watering while you're waiting for the harvest. Okay? How many of you have seed in the ground? Not like actually gardening, but you're in a process. You've been believing God for something that you have not seen yet. It's summertime. Weed and water and wait, but it's summertime because God is going to bring a harvest if you wait for it. If you bell on the process, if you give the field up, you'll miss it. But he wants, he wants to bless you and bring to fruition what he's already promised you. And I I believe this, if it's not good, then I have to know that it's not from God. If in the waiting, weeds pop up, I have to know that's not from God. And if it's not good, if I haven't seen the harvest yet, then I have to know that it's not the end. Why? Because God is faithful. He's always faithful. You stop being faithful, he's still going to be faithful. Here's what's going to happen. You've planted your seed. You walk away in unfaithfulness, and he's still faithful. The thing's still growing over here. It's springing up for somebody else to get because you aborted the process. Don't give your field away. Let it spring up. Wait for the harvest. Weed, water, and wait. Amen? All right. I'm done preaching, and then I'm going to preach some more. Let's pray. Father, you're really good. You're really good. You're faithful. When it doesn't make sense, you're faithful. When we're waiting, you're faithful. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you. That I'm not the teacher, but you're the teacher. And so we invite you to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have a dad that has one of those whistles? This like, they like, and it's like, you just know, right? 
So growing up, I, I, uh, I lived in, in Houston and kind of, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting area, kind of gang violence, police helicopters flying over, some of that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, but we would all like, you know, run around and play and have a good time, play basketball like nonstop, right? And, and I would know, I would be like dozens of houses down playing basketball like in the middle of a game. And then all of a sudden, the dad whistle would come out. And I knew, like, I had seconds to get from the basketball goal down the street at my friend Julio's house to over back to my house because the whistle had blown and there was no waiting. If, I, if he was waiting, then there was a whooping waiting for me, right? <laughs> and so I knew, like, my somebody else could walk by whistling Dixie or whatever, and I knew that that was not my dad's whistle. I knew what my dad's whistle sound li- sounded like. And I knew that it was time to respond to dad's whistle. Similarly, growing up, I played a, a basketball and I, I played at times in stadiums that were like, or arenas, not stadiums, arenas that were full of people like banging on the bleachers, even like having drums and like all sorts of like crazy noise where you couldn't hear yourself think it was so loud. And yet somehow my ear, as the point guard, was tuned to my coach's voice so that I could hear him in the middle of complete craziness. Anybody, you know, like your coach's voice? Anybody? And it's like, it doesn't really matter. Like, they don't have to be louder than everybody else, but you can just hear his voice, her voice. I believe that the Spirit of God has hardwired you to hear the voice of God, to know what God is saying. I believe that it's actually wired in you that you would know, that you would be sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit, that you're actually wired for it. Romans 8.14 says this, that those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. It doesn't say those who have special gifting are led by the Spirit of God. It says those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Last, last month, at the beginning of the month, I was teaching on, and this is kind of the second part of that, that message, on cultivating a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And what I taught on was John chapter 3. And this is the verse that we have made about getting into heaven, but it's actually about seeing the kingdom of heaven here and now. It says that unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't talking about heaven as the place that you go to when you die, although that's there and that's for us. But what it was actually talking about was the spiritual realm that God exists in in that then has an effect on the world that we live in and see in. You see, God has actually wired us. He's woken us up to his presence if we're in Jesus so that we can move with him. Because here's what God is doing. He is cultivating in us a sensitivity to his spirit because he wants to cultivate through us his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so what he's wanting us to do is to surrender to his lordship, his leading in our lives 
so that we can be aware of what he's doing and join him. Do you know that the Christian life, the life in Jesus is not about doing all the good that you can do? And it's not simply about not sinning, but it's actually about doing what God is doing. It's actually about joining in what God is doing. That we would live in communion with him. You see, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happened is they lost the right to eat of the tree of life. The tree of life was actually, it's a representation of the spirit connecting us to God. And so as long as they were able to eat of that tree, they were able to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But when they disobeyed, when they sinned, as silly as it is to eat of a tree and get cut off, like it wasn't like they killed somebody, it didn't take very long to get there, but, but as soon as they did that, what happened is they had actually desensitized themselves to the Spirit of God. And that's what sin does to you. I'll just be really simple. Sin makes you stupid. Serious. Read Romans 1. What Romans 1 says that sin does is it says that it makes you futile in your thinking. You see, the grace of God is not simply to cover up for your sin, though it does that. And actually with joy, God covers your sin. He forgives it. He removes it from you as far as the east is from the west. He actually marks you as innocent. As stupid as you've been, as stupid as I've been, what God actually does in his grace is that he calls me innocent. Not not guilty. Not like the charges didn't stick. Not like, oh, you got acquitted, but I'm actually innocent. Like it never happened. You need to know that you're innocent. Serious. You need to know that you are, the blood of Jesus has made you innocent. But what the grace of God was always intended to do was not simply to make me innocent, but actually to empower me to walk with God. You see, you were created to walk sensitively to the presence of God, to the spirit of God in you and on you. I love in John chapter or in Matthew chapter three. This is one of my favorite portions of scripture. I preach on it as often as I can. It is Jesus's baptism and Jesus chooses to be baptized by John in order to fulfill all righteousness is what it says. And so Jesus is baptized, and at the moment that he comes up out of the water, it says that the heavens open, that the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and lands or rests on Jesus. Now here's Jesus, fully God and fully man, already. You see... He never lost by sin the breath of God that was breathed into him. And yet, 
what you'll see is as the spirit comes and rests on him, power now flows through him. You see, Jesus is our example of what it looks like to live with the dove resting on your shoulder. And it never says that the dove left. It actually rested on him. How do you live life with the dove resting on your shoulder? Here's the thing about a dove. A dove is not like a parrot. A parrot will just hang out and annoy you all day. Probably like eat the like bugs out of your hair. I don't have any hair, so I don't know what that's like. (laughs) But but a dove, a dove is like one of the most flighty birds. If you're not sensitive to the presence of the dove resting on you, then it will leave you. You see, Jesus made hosting the dove his greatest priority in life. He made living sensitively to the Spirit of God on him his highest priority. And in doing that, he was setting the example for us. Here's the interesting thing about your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is different than my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God has a unique relationship with you. I've been learning like how to disciple people in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit by raising my oldest daughter. Eliza is seven. And so we've been like practicing. Okay, let's, let's begin listening to God. And I learned something actually this morning on the way to church. I had Eliza and Evelyn with me in the car and we were worshiping, and we pulled up, and, we, and I said, okay, let's just ask Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? And so we ask, and, and Eliza gets frustrated when we try to hear the voice of God. Anybody else, you get frustrated? Like, people are like, oh, like I'm, I, I, hear, I hear God's voice, and you're like, I don't hear God's voice. I must not be saved. Like you just start going through all that stuff, right? Like I don't really know Jesus. What's wrong with me? Blah, blah, blah. So I asked a different question. I said, Eliza, what do you feel? She said, oh, I feel like it's going to get crazy this morning. (laughs) I feel like we like tipped the edge of crazy. I feel like we got some more crazy coming. But here's what I'm learning is that language is actually really important. You see, Eliza like, takes things very literally, as do many of you. And so when I talk about hearing God, she's like, well, I'm not hearing sound, so I must not hear God like my dad does. And the truth is, she doesn't hear like I do. She hears like she does. She perceives like she does, not like I do. And so my responsibility as the one who is primarily, along with Lauren, responsible for discipling my kids, training them to walk and look like Jesus, 
My responsibility is to figure out where they are and help them move forward, right? By the way, parents, our kids' team is awesome, but it is not their responsibility to teach your kids to walk with Jesus. It's your responsibility. They'll help you in it. They're doing awesome work back there with our kids, but it is your responsibility. Don't try to pawn that off on somebody else. Amen? Okay, thank you. Um, and so I'm, I want to give you four general ways that people are led by the Spirit of God, okay? One is knowers. Knowers receive, whether it's external perception or inward conviction. If you're a knower, you just kind of know. You don't know how you know, but you just kind of know. It like just pops in your head, and you know what God's doing. You just know stuff, all right? Anybody you just kind of know, that's you, you're like, oh, yeah, I just like, I didn't hear a voice, I didn't see a picture, I didn't dream a dream, I didn't whatever, right? I didn't have a feeling, I just kind of knew. The interesting thing about knowers is that they just know and they don't necessarily feel. And so people who are feelers annoy the mess out of knowers, (laughs) right? It's like, you just know, it's like, Yeah, they're talking about, oh, the Holy Spirit just walked into the room. I can see Jesus, all that stuff. And you're like, look, it's really pretty simple. Jesus says that he inhabits the praises of his people. I know he's here. I'm not feeling he's here. I'm not getting like the the whatever, like like the person next to you, probably your spouse, is like weeping on their knees. They're like, oh, I can just feel the presence of God. And you're like, yeah, I just know. Right? He's like, yeah, of course he's here, because he's always here. I don't need to feel it, right, Greg? I don't need to feel it. It's just like I know that he's here. So, so the, the feelers, they just have a feeling. Here, let me go back to the knowers for a second. The problem that knowers run into, like a knower without maturity, will often run into pride, because they just know. And so they'll turn their faith walk into a knowledge game. And the temptation is actually to move towards religion. Because it really like, and and actually to minimize everybody else's stuff, right? Because it's like, oh, well, you like, I I just know, like, it's like, it's just all right here. I just have it all right here. And so it's like, I just, of course I know. This just says that. That's just intellectualism. I just know. But the thing is, is that actually the author of the book is alive. Right? And so you may just know stuff, but it's the author who's putting the stuff, the inspired thoughts in your head. Jesus, by the way, was all four of these. Like in Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, it says, Jesus knowing their thoughts. He just knew their thoughts. I've actually had that happen before. I was with some guys. Jamie, you were there. It wasn't you. Um, but you were there. And we were talking. We were doing like some discipleship stuff. And uh, I said something. And this guy, y'all just got engaged, didn't you? Whoa, would y'all stand up? Come on. Congrats, y'all. Awesome. We interrupt this message for an engagement. Um, 
So I said something and I knew like he didn't, the guy didn't respond, make a face, anything, but I just like, you could just, you could just like the presence of God was just thick and you just knew. And so I said something else and I went back to the guy and I said, you didn't believe a word I just said. And his face was like, what? And he's like, yeah, no, I didn't. And so then we talked through it and like got him, like sometimes you just know something and it's because the spirit of God is in you and on you and you just know. Feelers. These are the fun ones. Feelers just have a feeling. They just sense, they sense what God is doing, but they can just like sense like the atmosphere in a room. A feeler in immaturity thinks that they're the problem. Like they walk into a room, a second before they were like all happy, they walk into a room and they just all of a sudden feel de depressed, rejected, like whatever, right? Because they, they feel, they don't maybe know that they feel, but they just feel. And the enemy, in all four of these, the enemy will use your gifts, your weapons against you. And so a feeler, they just know, they have got like this gift of discernment by feeling, and they just kind of know what God's doing in the room. And if they train themselves to be sensitive to that. They can walk into a room, recognize what's going on in the room, and they can be the ones to turn on the light and bring like, they're like, oh man, like this place is heavy. I I'm just going to bring joy. I'm just going to hug people. I'm going to figure out what's going on in the spiritual realm, and I'm going to enter into that because I can feel it. Feelers are tempted to escape their feelings like through all sorts of stuff, like through sexual activity. You're like, I just need to feel like I've got this void. I need to feel, or maybe through, through even like drugs and, and drinking and all of those things, because it's like, they're just feelers. And so they need to feel in order to feel valid and full and full of life. And so feelers when, when their, their gifting, their weapon is used against them, they come underneath it instead of walk in victory. But when a feeler is whole, then they are a dangerous weapon to the world of darkness. Because they can just like sense what people need. And they can just bring life to any situation, because it's like, whoa, I just know. Feelers out of balance can get like emotional. Now, I'm not saying emotion is bad. Emotion is God-given. However, your emotionality has to be submitted to the Spirit, not telling you what's going on and what's right or wrong. Emotions are good friends. They're terrible masters. Jesus was also a feeler. We see it several times, but Luke chapter eight, verse 46, it says, Jesus, this is the woman with the issue of blood, feeling that power left him. He just felt it. He just kind of knew without knowing. Does that make sense? Then there's hearers. Say hearers. You with me? Are you enjoying this? Okay. Hearers often have an internal whisper. It's just like a phrase just kind of drops in your head. You don't really know where it came from, but it's just like, whoa, I think God's saying this. 
And, and so they just know sometimes it's like more tangible or, or like louder, like even an audible voice. You just kind of hear. But sometimes hearers, they just kind of, it's like, well, I just like, I think I have a word for you. It's like, I really think God wants to work in your life and blah, 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 blah. Like, here's how it's all going to happen. And it just kind of unfolds. And so here's here an internal whisper. Here's what happens when a hearer is not living submitted to the Spirit of God. You are opened up to hearing voices but you don't have the discerning spirit, the spirit of discernment, the Holy Spirit. And so you think you're going crazy. You think you're hearing like all sorts of voices and you probably are. But what's happened is your weapon of warfare is being used against you. Some of you think that you're crazy because you're hearing voices. And the world diagnoses it as all sorts of stuff. But often, maybe not every time, often what it is, is it's the way God has wired you to commune and communicate with him being used against you. Because there, in all of these, there are four things that you could be receiving from. One is the, is the natural realm. I'll put you in that. Like you could just be hearing your own voice. Another is the voice of God. Like you just like hear the voice of God and the Holy Spirit should be the spirit that actually helps us discern what his voice is. There's also an angelic realm around you. Like some of you, I won't ask you to raise your hands because other people think you're crazy, but you like you hear angels. Some of you have heard angels actually singing with us in worship. Then there is actually the demonic realm. This is one that scares people. But in, in the demonic realm, what happens is you're like hearing the whispers and it's always like accusatory towards you and other people and Jesus, God's not good, he's not fit, all of that stuff. And it actually makes you feel like you're going crazy. But we have to be, especially for hearers, more convinced of God's ability to speak to me and keep me than the enemy's ability to deceive me. And so if you're a hearer, it's important, as with all the others, that you learn to hear the voice of God. The best way to know the voice of God is to know what he's already said. So... People who are like wired like to prophetic people sometimes in immaturity are like, oh, I just need to pray all day and I'll let God speak to my, my prayer life and I'll know what to do. But you actually need to, to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth so that you can know what his voice sounds like. Amen? Yeah. Seers. Seers are people who envision Sometimes seers actually see what's going on in the spiritual realm. We actually have, I know, I know some folks here that actually like regularly see what's going on in the spiritual realm. It's like, yeah, there's an angel and it's right there and it's doing this. And I'm like, it blows my mind, right? Because I'm, I'm not a seer, but I'll ask them, 
what's God doing? And they'll tell me, well, I see this, this. I'm like, wow. And so what I do as a leader is I learn how to lean on their seeing so that I can join in what God's doing. Now, sometimes seers are people that just, they see without seeing. Does that make sense? Like you see with your mind's eye, not with your eye's eye, not with your eyes. You see with your mind's eye, not your eyes. So it's, it's not like this, like, oh, I see what's going on, but it's actually, I have the ability to envision what God's doing. Anybody seen the movie Harriet? About Harriet Tubman? Harriet would just like see what's going on. And so she led uh, a few hundred slaves to freedom because she was a seer. Here's what I love about all of this stuff. If, if you see, we have a temptation to isolate the kingdom of God, like the stuff we learn in church from the rest of the world, right? Like we're like, oh, well, like that seeing thing, that's about a spiritual thing. And so it's just about like churchy stuff. We get so churchy. But the truth is, is that that's actually meant to be real life stuff. You know what I mean? It's like she wasn't just using her seeing, Harriet wasn't just using her seeing just to like do church better, right? But she was using her seeing so that she could lead people to real physical freedom out of slavery. I love this about King Solomon. King Solomon just becomes king. And in 1 Kings 3, God comes to him and says, hey, I'll I'll do for you. I'll give you whatever you want. What is it that you want? Solomon says this. He says, I would like a, a, let me get it right. I would like an understanding mind and a hearing heart. You see, what he actually was asking God for was a sensitivity to him so that he could know what God was doing and actually lead out of that place. And his wisdom was not isolated to like spiritual things, but it actually was effective for him being one of the best kings who ever lived. He solved real problems, gave real wisdom. When the queen of Sheba shows up and, and she's like super wealthy, super like cutting edge in her leadership in her kingdom, and she's amazed at what Solomon has done. Why? Because he's actually got this gift. We call it a gift of wisdom, and it is wisdom, but it's wisdom that's tapped into the source. Any of you ever been confused by Ecclesiastes? Yes. Proverbs is what it looks like for a wise man to live plugged into the source, to live with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes is a book put in the Bible so that we could see what it looks like for a wise man to not live plugged into the source. And so you have statements of profound wisdom and stuff that just doesn't make sense. And so Solomon is an example of what it actually looks like in in the real world. Seers, what happens when seers don't live submitted to the Holy Spirit? I've seen this happen before where guys will like get hungry for God and, and then somehow like they start seeing in the spirit and they start getting terrified because they see demonic stuff and it freaks them out and they actually walk away from God because they can't handle everything they're seeing and they're actually like trying to turn it off. Seers 
like feelers can get like stuck in drugs and all that kind of stuff because it's like they're just trying to look, figure out how to cope with what they have instead of seeing God clearly. Hebrews 5, 15. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use train their senses to distinguish good and evil. Before that, he says, hey, I should give you solid food, but I'm just going to give you milk because you can't handle it. Here's what maturity looks like in the kingdom and living with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It means that I train my senses to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying, that I would actually have discipline in my senses so that my senses would now be useful to discerning what God's up to, what's good, what's not good. How many of you know which way to go sometimes is confusing, right? Like sometimes it's not like good choice, bad choice. Sometimes we just need sensitivity to the spirit of God. And what what happens is I have to start training myself in the small things to be sensitive to good and bad and not to tolerate bad. You see, when you start tolerating, see, we, we live in a world full of compromise, right? It's not that bad. I can watch that movie because it's not that bad. I can listen to that music because it's not that bad. And what happens is, is I'm training my senses not to tolerate discerning good and evil. And so now I've been desensitized to what God's doing. This is not about like trying to be holier than everybody else. This is about being holy. Right? Like this isn't a comparative deal. This is about me living a life that's set apart to what God's doing so that the way he's wired me won't be used against me and throw me off track and keep me from doing what God has called me to do. So your senses, my senses require training. How many of you know that we're actually a triune being? Meaning we, we, we have spirit That's like the the place that is already saved. If you're in Jesus, your spirit is saved. You have a soul. That's the seat of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, that's where you actually make decisions. That part is being saved. Okay? That part is actually learning what it looks like to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then you have a body. Now, I love it. I believe Jesus loves to heal. The truth is, unless Jesus comes back before you die, you will die, right? So so your body will be saved, and you'll get a glorified body. It'll be a way upgrade. I'm not sure if in my glorified body if I'll have hair or not. I'm not sure how that works. But but that's what, what is coming, right? So here's the thing. Most of us tend to live as a soul with the Spirit, and a body. And so we actually make immature, foolish decisions because we're not living under the leading of the Holy Spirit. But what maturity does is it learns to live with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So now if I'm saying that Jesus is Lord, then he's my master. The Holy Spirit is also called in the book of Acts, the spirit of Jesus. So I live under his lordship and his lordship tells me 
how to live out, how to make decisions in that soul place that influences my body and what I do with my life. Does that make sense? And so oftentimes we live based on feeling, based on pain, based on like all of these like sensitivities that haven't been cultivated to be sensitive primarily to his presence. And if I can learn how to live sensitively to his leading, then all of the sudden I can live under his purpose and, and I can actually train even my, like, my, my flesh to live sensitive and submitted to him. You see, your, your old flesh is dead and you've actually been made new, risen with Christ. And so your flesh is supposed to live under the influence of the spirit of God. It's not supposed to be a weapon used against you. You see, Galatians 5.16 says this, that those who are led by the spirit will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. The soul is not necessarily bad, okay? It's just not the place to live from. When my mind, will, and emotions are led by his spirit, then I'll walk in maturity. I'll walk in union with him, and I'll accomplish all he's called me to accomplish. How many of you want to get to the end of your life and say, hey, I ran the race good. I finished strong, yeah. right? So I have to train my senses to live sensitive primarily to his spirit. And from that place, I'll see his purposes fulfilled as I walk with him. I could go on forever. And some of you, I can hear your stomachs growling. Hold on with me just for a second. So sin desensitizes me to the spirit. You see, you think often that, oh, I can just get away with this. It's not that big of a deal. But every time I try to get away with it, what happens is I'm actually saying to God, I'm not going to be sensitive to you. I'm just going to go down this road. And that's why you start off with this little thing and all of a sudden it doesn't take long for your whole life to be a complete mess. Because of compromise, and you just said it's not that big of a deal. And here's what happens with sin, by the way. Sin goes like this. There's a whisper that says, try it. It'll feel good. You need it. It's all right. Just do it. And so you then like, Go because sin is actually just trying to find joy apart from Jesus. So, so you go and you just take this one step. And as soon as you do it, the enemy whispers this. You tried it, now you are it. And all of a sudden you take on a false identity because you're not being led by the spirit. You're actually being led. You don't even need a demon to like come and deceive you. You don't even need the devil to come deceive you. You, you can just get there in your own thinking separate from God. The devil they made me do it is rarely a good excuse for people. We don't need the devil to help us be stupid. We can get there all on our own. Like I can just start pursuing being the Lord of my own life, right? instead of Jesus, and I can get to stupid real fast. What happens with my sin is that Ephesians 4.30 says that it grieves the Holy Spirit. He's like, oh, like, what are you doing? 
He doesn't leave you. He's just grieved by it. Because you're not living aware of him, and he's the greatest reality. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says that, that we also can quench the Spirit. It says, don't quench the Spirit. Because what happens is the Holy Spirit is whispering, go this way. And the Holy Spirit is often not the greatest whisper in your life. Like your own stuff can get whispered and the enemy can whisper. Here's why. He's whispering because he wants to train you to lean in. Get a little closer. Shut off all the other noise. Come here just a little closer because I want you to be intent on hearing from me. He's not trying to compete with all the other voices. He's trying to train you to be so sensitive to him so that you can be in a room with a ton of noise and still know what he's saying. So it quenches the spirit. 2 Timothy 2.21 says this. If anyone cleanses himself from these things, talking about sin, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Here's what happens. When I sanctify myself, when I choose to live in holiness, holiness is not something you do. It's something you receive and you steward. Jesus is imparting his holiness to you. You can't earn holiness. What you do is you receive holiness and then you steward holiness, which holiness means to be set apart, but it's that thing that actually makes me, the blood of Jesus got you so clean that you could actually be a temple of the Holy Spirit, a house for God. And so my holiness, my participation with his work on the cross to cleanse me of sin and then for me to choose to walk in righteousness and partnership with him, my holiness is hospitality for his Holy Spirit. So what you do actually does matter because it is hosting him well. Here's what, has, like what happens to us. We all do the stupid thing, okay? Everybody's sinned. Everybody's fallen short of the glory of God, which is the Holy Spirit poured out in us. And so when we do that, what we have to do is to confess our sin To actually repent means that I rethink. And so it's not just, God, I did this, but help me think differently. So I repent, I confess my sin, and then I live. I actually am, to repent means to actually return to a higher way of thinking. So I'm like, it's like going to the penthouse. It's a return to the penthouse in my thought life. And so when I repent, I'm saying, okay, God, I want to think like you think. And you've given me your spirit so that I can do that, so that that's actually possible. And so I just confess that I've been living this way and I've grieved you. My sin has hurt you. My sin has nailed you, Jesus, to the cross. Thank you for forgiving me and empowering me now to walk in righteousness. And as I do that, one of the first ways that you can cultivate a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is to confess your sin. Is to say, I've been off here. I've missed it here. You don't even need me. You probably, honestly, you probably don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you what your sin is. Like, you just know. Like, as soon as I said sin, you started thinking about that thing. Right? Nobody's talking now. Um, <laughs> and so, when we learn how to live sensitively to His Spirit, 
we have to say no to sin. Here's one of the other things that will mess with our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. One is people-pleasing. You cannot be people-pleasing and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You can be people-caring, but you cannot be people-pleasing. In fact, the Holy Spirit will make you care a lot about people. But, it, but if you live as a people-pleaser, I know that from really good, like lots of experience of being a people-pleaser, that it will always throw you off. What you do is you say, God, I, I confess my people-pleasing, which is really a fear of man. I confess my fear of man. I'm going to live under a fear of you instead of a fear of man. Another thing that will mess with us, that will desensitize us to the Holy Spirit, thanks for hanging in there with me. I think it's important that we get this, uh, is this, is emotional trauma. When I've been traumatized, what happens is, is it shuts down often my sensitivity to his presence because trauma erodes trust. About a year ago, I was... Uh, with some of our college students and one of our leaders, I think she had just graduated, had just been diagnosed with ADHD. And she knew as soon as she walked into our house that I was gonna pray with, with her. So we prayed and we just asked God, okay, God, help us with this. That's not from you. You don't give ADHD. Now there's a whole bunch of reasons we get there. But God just put this voice in my head that said, ask her what happened when she was six. And what happened when she was six is that she had a dance coach that had like just hammered her and told her she's slow, she's never gonna get it, she's not gonna learn. That trauma became a block in her mind, in her brain. It was like scarring her brain and it actually implanted ADHD. So what we did is we asked the Holy Spirit what he was doing and to comfort that place. She got comfort from the Holy Spirit because that's what he does. And then she was actually healed, freed of ADHD. Why? Because emotional trauma was impeding her ability to process well. Emotional trauma will throw you off. Here's the thing. The trauma wants you to think that you're on your own, but God is always with you. Healing comes when I forgive anybody that's involved. I receive grace, and then I allow him to minister to me in that place of pain because his comfort always brings healing. And so this morning, afternoon now, this, this afternoon, I believe that God wants to bring healing to you. He wants to open up your senses to know him even better. Would you stand with me? Worship team, you guys can come back up. For you, it may look like confessing sin. It may look like saying, hey, this is where I've been blowing it. God, I just receive your forgiveness. It may look like receiving healing from trauma. It may look like surrendering a fear of man. It may look like something else that God's speaking to you. But I just encourage you this morning to deal with God and ask him to make you more sensitive to his spirit. Amen.